Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. And may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And may the Lord be honored as we approach him with expectant hearts. Lord, may our ears be open, our hearts be open. May our minds have a eureka moment. Would you speak to us because we need to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, um, we are now in the final psalm of a series we've been going through. Not all of them, 10 of the 15, but the Psalms of Ascent, which are uh, a playlist that the pilgrims who were traveling at the great feasts from their hometowns up to Jerusalem. And these psalms would have helped them prepare themselves for worship. There's 15 of them from Psalm 120, and now we're finishing in Psalm 134. And they, they examine the heart of these psalms. They allow the pilgrim to just look at the whole of life and, and bring all of that in their worship and their journey with the Lord. Uh, and so this is the final one. And there's various theories of how these have been sung. They would have certainly been memorized. And they would have been sung as a family on the way at certain stages. Maybe when they got to Jerusalem, they'd have sung certain ones. Who knows? There's all sorts of theories about it. But we come to this one. Psalm 134. Which is there in my Bible. I get some questions for you. But this is really the, the thrust of it. What does your body language say? As you were coming here and just now, what does your body language say? Are you getting comfy? Have you got your boiled sweet in your mouth? Um, are we going to hear that unwrap halfway through the sermon? Are you excited? Are you bored? What do you bring to worship? Certainly, I hope that you've not left your life at the front door only to pick it up when you leave, because that's not what it's all about. Are you in love this week, Ben and Lydia? Next Saturday, I'm going to be marrying Ben and Lydia up in, in Nairn. Down to it and hope they're in love. Otherwise, we're going to have to go through some more recessions together. But how do, what's your body language say about you as you come to pray? And as you come to, to worship, the, the Psalms of Ascent it began in far off Meshech, which is in the north, and also in Kedar, which is in the south. We get that from the very first Psalm, Psalm 120. These were places or regions or tribes that were far from where God's people wanted to be. And that can often be the case when it comes to how our everyday life can seem. We're far from the Lord. Our situation that we're living in is not ideal. We long so much to just be in a place of peace, a place where brothers and sisters dwell uh, together in unity. We, we desire that, and yet our everyday experience doesn't seem to be like that. Psalm 120 speaks of that. 
we began our journey, our pilgrimage with the Lord in these far off distant places, far from where we wanted to be. But now it's fitting in this final psalm of ascent that we find ourselves in the house of the Lord, worshipping day and night in the temple. That's where we have come to with these psalms of ascent. Or if you've, this is the first time you're hearing about it, that's roughly the journey that we have taken. Now just imagine as you journey with your family or with your community, your village, and you get to the temple, you have made a long journey up towards the temple. And it's taken you days, weeks, maybe even months, I don't know. And you're eventually there and you've arrived at night time. You've arrived in, at the middle of the night and the city is buzzing. The city is its electric atmosphere. And you've just happened upon the time when it's the, the night shift uh, has just started. The priests who were called to lead worship for God's people in the middle of the night. And this could be the four, four o'clock. In fact, I was talking um, to someone yesterday who did night shift for the first time this week and they found they could only work to six o'clock. They were meant to work to eight. Their whole body just screamed at them. But yet, the anticipation in the temple, this great feast where God's people are coming together as one, as David would have sought, the 12 tribes united together are all there. The excitement would have been incredible as the priests were pronouncing blessing on them. It was a, an incredibly glorious experience to know and to feel the blessing of the Lord by one of the priests who were set aside his whole life to just at that moment pronounce blessing in God's people who had arrived to bring their worship to the Lord. Right there, right then, as they stand at the place where God had said, I will, I will dwell there. Can't contain me, and we all know that, but I will dwell, I will tabernacle, I will reside with my people there. That is the background to Psalm 134. But it's not just a historical document. By God's Spirit, it's for us to consider just now, what is your posture like in worship? With a very short period of worship at the beginning, some worship intentionally to allow us some more time afterwards. But have you got yourself ready yet? Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Are you ready to hear just that moment where God says something that you know because you know that is just for me? I ask you to pause for 15 seconds and in the silence, the way you would pray, say to the Lord, Lord, I'm ready. Can you just do that? Close your eyes, whatever it may. Don't be distracted. For 10, 15 seconds, just say, Lord, I'm ready. Have your will with me. Amen. And, and I don't do that to whip you up into some sort of frenzy. I'm not trying to manipulate you or, or anything like that. I'm, I'm honestly just saying far too often we come into this gathering in our own home churches as well and we're used to it and sometimes we forget what we're doing, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters 
dwell in unity with a single focus of remembering the Lord, of honoring the Lord, of bringing all of our lives to the Lord's and saying, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Do you anticipate awe? Do you anticipate wonder? I'd certainly hope if you're feeling too hot, you would ask someone to open the window. Or if you need a glass of water, you get a glass of water. Be comfortable, be ready. Be in the edge of your seats, but don't fall asleep. If I'm wittering on, cough loudly. What's the Lord saying to us today as we open up Psalm 134? As we remember that the people with excitement and anticipation arrived at the night shift where the priests were lifting their hands in praise and worship. Notice here the word blessing. Keep your Bibles open, please. Um, the word blessing uh, is repeated time and time and time again. Bless, bless, bless. Now, if you have got the NIV or the New Living Translation, there'll be a, a change word that will say praise. And that's why I went for the ESV and there's other versions. I think the, the King James, New King James, all have that bless because it's the same word that is the word barak as in the former president. Barak. That is the word bless. So if you've got your NIV and it says, um, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. It's the word barak, which is the exact same word at the end that says, may the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you for that from Zion. And it means to kneel and to bow down. So in verse uh, 1 to 2, the Lord is the object of our blessing. And in verse 3, the Lord is the source of our blessing. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Lift out your hands and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you. It literally means to kneel down and to bow down. Barak. God, in verses 1 and 2, blesses uh, God's people bless him. And in verse 3, the Lord blesses his people. So what does it mean, therefore, to look, and what does it look like to bless the Lord? How, and we're also going to look at, after that, how the Lord blesses us and what that means. But as, as we are here, and we've got this time together, and it's intentional, we've made this a purpose to be here. How can we bless the Lord? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at three, three postures, three ways of being that, that are in here, especially in the ESV, um, but we can see also in the NIV, which is the, the Pew Bibles. So what does it look like to bless the Lord? Our series has been inspired by Eugene Peterson's book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, and this is one thing that Eugene says in his book, all about this, um, how Psalm 134 directs our blessing of the Lord. The sentence, come bless the Lord, is an invitation, but it is also a command. Having arrived at the place of worship, will we now sit around and tell stories about the trip? Remember, we're pilgrims, made a long journey. Having got into the big city, Jerusalem, Will we spend our time here as tourists? Wow, we're in Jerusalem. Remember when I arrived at uh, Santiago de Compostela when I did a Camino? You just wanted to go around and see the places. 
as tourists. But will the temple be a place to socialize, to receive congratulations from others on our achievement, a place to share gossip and tell or even trade uh, tall stories? But that's not why you made the trip. You're here because God blessed you. Now the command is this, bless the Lord. So therefore, how might we obediently and willingly bless the Lord? From Psalm 134, right at the beginning it says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Or in the ESV it says, Come, let us bless the Lord. What does it mean to bless? To bow down, to kneel. In our worship of the Lord, come, either let's take a knee or take the knees. So there's something very physical here. Psalm 134 is getting to us that the way in which we should approach the Lord is on bended knee. So our worship is to be physical. Remember, bless literally means to bow or to kneel. Philippians. Just in case you don't believe what I'm saying here. Oh, and I spilt milk over my Bible this week. So I'm going to be hopefully not ripping my Bible too much. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11 says this. Your attitude, your posture, the way you come should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He bowed to the Father's will but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. It's physical. It's honoring. It's submissive. In heaven and on earth, so it's the whole of creation. And under the earth, absolutely everything. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So I think right off the bat that Psalm 134, this great psalm of praise and of blessing, is encouraging us to take the bended knee. That should be our posture before the Lord Worship is physical. In some older churches, there'll be kneelers in the church. We don't, we don't have that. And then sometimes you will see people coming up to the front to kneel. And I guess the background to that is, in many traditional churches, this would have been the communion table and, and here would have been a, a, a wall, not a wall, a, a rail. And you would come and kneel at the altar. So worship is very, very, very physical. Your mind and your heart may follow your body as you kneel before the Lord because sometimes you need to make the decision. I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to the gathering where brothers and sisters are together. Whatever it may be. A lot of the times we can't be bothered. Mike, for instance, was working to half past three this morning changing the, the theatre 
uh, he, he's in charge of the theatre's technical stuff. He was humping great big physical things all over the place. And he came here yawning. My daughter, who was leading worship, was yawning just before as well. But they decided in their body to come. And I believe that their mind, their heart, and their spirit followed. So we would bow the knee, even if our mind and our heart is tired and we don't fancy it. Second posture is this. How do we bless the Lord? We stand. All ye servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. The Hebrew word in this setting has the idea of standing to attention. Standing to service, standing to be ready. For me, it seems like a military sort of idea. You're standing, you're there. The Lord says attention and you're ready. The Lord is whispered gently and you stand and you're ready to say, okay, Lord, where should I go? Revelations chapter 7, as I have up there in verses 9 and 10, reads this. And after I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Standing at attention together, a, a number that you could not count from all the nations and tribes before the throne and the Lamb. Why? Because He is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. He is worth it. And they were saying, Salvation comes through no one but the, the Lamb of God. Typically, we sit when we pray, not all the time. Eden led or Miranda led us when we were standing. And there's ways, there's traditions that we just fall into. But we might try to mix it up. You know, mix it up. Don't go with the flow. If you fancy swinging from the chandeliers, swing from the chandeliers. As long as it is acceptable to the Lord and you're not showing off. Because therefore that would just be a, a mockery of worship. But picture yourself standing before the throne of God. Picture you standing with those great multitudes, being part of that, dressed in white, having all your sins forgiven, finally seeing the Lamb of God face to face. And you stand. And I, I love that song from uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I can only imagine and the song talks about what will it be like? Will I stand? Will I sit? Will I kneel? Will I cry? Will I sing? Will I be downfunded? Down that word? I don't know what it will be like as I see him face to face. But I also love what Dallas Willard says as well, who speaks of our life is meant to be becoming like Jesus from now on. And he says, I think when I see Jesus, I'll be like, ah. Huh? I thought you would look like Oh, good to see you, Lord. Why? Because we're living eternity now, knowing him now. Shouldn't be so much a surprise when we see him face to face. So I like both familiarity and yet he is so much more than we can ever imagine. We stand in awe. And then finally, our posture. 
How do we bless the Lord? Well, it says there, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So we kneel in adoration, we stand and worship. Now we lift our hands in praise of the Lord. Lifting hands throughout scripture is always characteristic about a posture of worship as a posture of praise. And for those who maybe are not in worship services much, you see people lifting hands. What is that all about? Is it a learned behavior? For some people, maybe. For others, it's just, it helps them express. It helps them to open up their whole body. There's a physical expression when you use your hands. We talk with our hands. And maybe in our worship, and comedians have made a whole joke about all the, 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 the hand gestures of worship but that aside coming in with with hands like that in worship is maybe saying lord i come with nothing give me everything you have for me or maybe like that it's i've got this picture of who you are lord in my mind but i i just believe you're so much more we express so much with our hands psalm 1 uh, 4 1 says this in verse 2 may my prayer be set before you like incense May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. 1 Timothy 2. I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing. Is there a challenge for us in our worship to make it so much more physical? I don't know. But certainly I believe the Lord wants our whole lives is a sacrifice of praise and worship and adoration. However, we need to be careful that the outward expression is a reality of the inward life. We've maybe done it ourselves where we, we, we try to fit in and we do all the things. The culture is that you dance in this church so we're going to do the 1980s charismatic bop. We've all seen it. We've all done it. But as we have been saying to the guys who are going through baptism classes, as the people are being baptized, it's an outward expression of an inward reality. They know Jesus. They know the forgiveness of sins. They know the washing away of their sins. And so, in baptism, it's a demonstration of an inward reality. So should our physical worship as well. Otherwise, it's just fake and half-baked. Our hands must be holy. Are prayers offered without anger or quarreling? Just three ideas of how we physically, from the psalm, can bring our praise and bless the Lord. But finally, the direction of the psalm changes, completely turns around in verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Remember, bless means to kneel or to bow down. Therefore, the question is, does that mean the Lord kneels or bowed down before us? I think I've put up no. Yes, good. No, of course he doesn't. He's the maker of heaven and earth. We are the created ones. But here's the difference. When we bless God, when we kneel, we, we, when we bow down or stand or, or lift up holy hands and kneel before him, he is our focus. But when God blesses us, he reaches down and he is the source of the blessing. 
We bless God by, by praising, and in that praising we remember. Many of the prayers that were shouted out or spoken out were testimony. Many of the prayers or words spoken out were on Scripture. And it's a good way to pray. Pray the Bible. We remember what God has done. He does not change. What he has done yesterday, he'll do today and forevermore. And so therefore we remember. So when we praise and we bless the Lord, we're remembering what he has done for us. And when God blesses us, he loves us, he cares for us, he is the source of our blessing. So there's a very big difference between the two. I love it that the fact that God makes us what we are not, as it's seen in Revelation 7, dressed in white. We can't do that ourselves. And he gives us what we do not have. We say this all the time in the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're remembering who God is. We're blessing him. Hallowed be your name, you are great. But there after that, we're asking the Lord to bless us. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Give us bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So even in that prayer that we may pray every day, we're in the act of blessing God and being blessed by God. And I'm going to finish there, but with just a few words. The Jews were pilgrims to Jerusalem, the holy city, the temple. That was the place where God's presence was. They came buzzing. They came ready. They made a long, arduous journey, and it's where they wanted to be. But as people of the new covenant in Christ, we don't have to wait to the end of the road to enjoy what is at the end of the road. We can experience that blessing now, that presence now, because by his spirit, Jesus tabernacles with us. Jesus journeys with us. The question is, do we journey with him? Are we obedient to his commandments? Of course, but he never changes and he desires so much for us to know him, so much for us to be in his presence, so much for us to become what he desires us to become, the spotless bride. And the Lord blesses those of us who are found in Christ. As it says last, last week in Psalm 133, even life everlasting we discover. So the true uh, Mount Zion is where Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, reigns in the midst of his people. And I'm just going to finish off with a reminder from these words of Hebrews chapter 12, which many of you will know. Should be an encouragement to us. The focus of our worship as we remember and bless the Lord and ask for his blessings. But you, if you know Jesus, have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Come, let us worship the King of Kings and continue to worship as we journey with him wherever he would send us for his glory and in Jesus' name, amen.